Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Legend Rouge Cycling Podcast for our Santos Tour Down Under mega recap of both the men and women's editions. The 10 days or so of racing has, or it's about a week actually of racing, has wrapped up now down in Adelaide with, I think, some pretty, I don't know, pretty nice things to talk about. It's good to see Willunga was back. We had some uh, interesting sprints. We had a lot of young riders performing in both races, but... What have you been up to, Benji? I'm cooked. It's so hot here. It's like the humidity here. And dew point is unbelievable. It's actually unbelievable how hot it is the last two days. I got heat. I think I gave myself, I did my first intensity on the bike yesterday for a long time with some threshold intervals and I, I started too <laughs> late. Uh, I started at 5.30. I should have started at 4.45 in the morning. And You've got a heat I'm, stroke? I'm cooked, yeah. <laughs> I'm completely sleep deprived. <laughs> Because I spent the last uh, the last six days at Santa Sudan under at night, basically, because I'm in the UK doing uh, partially the the Twitter account for the Santa Sudan under. So it's important that I do disclose that. And contractually, I need to tell you that uh, my views on this podcast are my own and not that of the Santa Sudan under, which I think is pretty obvious. But I have to say it anyway. But man, I'm so sleep deprived. Like four hours a night, I was sleeping. But then it's also like my circadian rhythm or whatever you call that is so switched yeah. off. To the point that I had to sleep two hours in the afternoon sometimes to try and catch yeah. up to sleep. And I tried doing Wait, so a Zwift race today, now. mate. What, sorry? So you feel fine now because normally nah, nah, nah. you've got you've got like another five, six hours to go. Normally I'd feel fine. But okay. this stupid guy decided to do a, a two and a half hour Zwift race today after six days of sleep deprivation. And I've never way. felt so empty on my bike ever. I, I've never been so deep. Damn. Well, maybe sleep. Yeah, catch up on some sleep would be my recommendation, although I'm, yeah. ma- I'm making your podcast super late at night. Uh, anyway, we'll start with the men's race. We had uh, four sprints in the of the six stages, one uh, sort of mixed sprint, I would say, uh, of those, as well as the last two stages being the big GC stages, Willunga Hill and Mount Lofty. Mount Lofty was where Simon, excuse me, just had some veggie my toast. Uh, Mount Lofty was where Simon Yates won last year. Jayco came into the race with big ambitions. They brought a very strong team: Simon Yates, yeah. Lucas Blab, Caleb Ewan, three of their five, I would say, big riders in Grunewald and Matthews are in Valencia at the moment, as well as strong. So Chris Harper was the best domestique, climbing domestique any team had in this race, uh, I would say, and so. They had big ambitions. I will say, I think Plap is getting killed a little bit because he said before the race, you know, we want to win every stage. I don't, I think what he <laughs> meant was we have brought a team where it's a realistic goal that we try, we, we try to win every stage and that we have yep. a sprinter. We have me and, and Yates for the two GCs. I think that's what he meant. He didn't say, 
you know, not fi- not not five, not six, not seven championships. <laughs> I, I, I give him the benefit of the doubt of that. Yeah, for sure, definitely. He's not that kind of guy that would be like, "Oh, we're definitely gonna win because we're riding against peasants." That not that's not really Luke Platt. But yeah, you said it. Like three sprint stages, one versatile one. That was the start of the Santos to under, and I kind of like it. And can I say Santos to under without Wollonga Hill? Sorry, but I don't care. So Wollonga Hill's back. I care about this race again. Because this is probably the race I've played the most in my life on Pro Cycling Manager. This is the first fucking race you have in that race, in that game. But anyway, let's start with stage one. Short recap. Basically, TLDR summary, Wellsford ends up winning the sprint after what I would consider a perfect leadout by Van Poppel, by Mullen, that entire squad. Who is the fourth man at Bora? Because was that Gumper or was that Machichuk? Uh, don't know. I think Matthew like, was like a good signing for them. I think Matthew was doing like the the pacing during the stage, okay. and I would guess that Gumper is then the fourth man because it's also important really for have a fourth Gumper man, to no? then position. What's sorry? Like they kind of the three of them kind of hang out until yeah. they want to do their final lead out a lot of the time. True. Uh, at true. the back, but they and made everyone look like peasants this race. <laughs> Like this, this lead-out was wrong. completely overpowered. Um, it was a lead-out that basically, it looked good. Well, it looked good a lot of last year, and then they split Mullen and Van Poppel apart for the Tour de France, and then Van Poppel on his own actually wasn't, he wasn't yep. good in the Tour. No, he couldn't, they couldn't compete with Alperson. Um, or even Bahrain and, and Yumbo some stages. But yeah, this, this lead-out was unbelievable. It was, it, was, it, was, it was an omen of things to come on stage one. Being a lead-out like Merck and Von Poppel doesn't mean that you can do it yourself because you need a Von Poppel for yourself then. You need that rider for yourself to do the lead-out for you to then be able to still sprint at the end. And otherwise, they're kind of doing the work of both the lead-out and the sprinter. So, yeah, I think sometimes people overrate how easy it is from a, from a perspective of, oh, why aren't they not sprinting for Merck back in the day when Cavendish was a sprinter? Remember when Merck got second and they were like, oh, Merck should start going for himself. It's not that easy, but we said it, Wellsford won. Second stage was the versatile sprint stage. We had this, I think it was Fox Creek, a hill with about, in the last kilometers, in the last 10 kilometers somewhere, Luke Blapp yeah. attacks on it. Very brutal attack. Straight up drops everybody except Nervais. Yep. Can I just say Nervais? Really strong raise by him. And he won point. the crit. Yeah, he did win the crit. Ahead of... Uh, ahead of Del Toro and yes. uh, a couple <laughs> other sort of climbers, yeah. We'll get to him in a second, but... <laughs> They don't cooperate, and that means that the group behind ends up coming back, which leads to what one would think is a versatile sprint at the end, but there was no real organization, and someone benefits from that with 1k to go. Some people try to attack earlier, like Quinn Simmons and so forth, but Del Toro attacks with 1k to go, straight up wins. Like, man creates a gap that didn't exist, suddenly is like 20, 25 meters, and he keeps it to the line. What I'm learning about like power data and in the last, especially in the last year or so, is that mm-hmm. his attack was so impressive and so mm-hmm. explosive that it almost made me think he's going to struggle on Willunga. Yeah. Because I was like, or like not win on Willunga. Because I was like, you to hold off the peloton being chased by Nick Schultz. Israel brought a good team to this race, by the way, for these sort of stages. Nick Schultz, Simon Clark, Bova, Stephen Williams. Corbin Strong, that is a yeah. good team for this, which we'll see later. That's a good team for these sort of stages. And they were going for Strong. Maybe Williams took, a, took too long to get back on the front, but for Del Toro as a sub-70 kilo guy, 
to hold off the Peloton with a one-minute attack. His, his power was peculiar. Explosivity must have been unbelievably high. And he wins almost comfortably. I was like, holy shit. Like, this guy got to go to Liège. <laughs> or other like he, or the classics. I don't know. Just like, get him in. And it's important to say, he didn't just do that attack at the end of the stage. During that stage, he fought for the yes. first intermediate sprint. He tried out sprinting Caleb Yuna at the second intermediate sprint, but he put so much power on his pedals, that's my theory, he put so much power on his pedals that I think his chain did something and then he had to like stop mid-sprint. And then I swear there was a moment in the descent after the attack of Luke Plapp where he was trying to pace Fisher Black back yeah, to the yeah, front of the race. pulling Fisher Black, yeah. Mate, he, he had an engine that didn't run out that stage. Yeah. So... Obviously, he, he then goes into the leader's jersey with the bonus seconds, but I think he finishes on the same time. Corbin Strong basically just beats his teammate who was leading him out, Stephen Williams, on the bike throw. And if we were gonna, if the race had played out any differently in the end, you could have gone 50-50 hindsight and said, well, yeah. actually, Stephen Williams needed those extra two bonies. Uh, but it didn't matter, I guess, in the end. But that was a... I think Israel... We see this a lot. That's why everyone loves these stages. That's why all the race organizers put in these sort of stages because you have a really interesting race dynamic almost guaranteed in the last 10, 15 kilometers. Uh, stage three, Wilson wins with another good lead out, uh, basically just ruining everybody. I think Viviani got into his wheel but just couldn't, wasn't quick enough. Uh, Benny, the issues with Benny's positioning or lack of lead out seem to be there as well. I'm sure Benny does have the 10 second power to be, you know, at least coming second in all these sprints, but mm -hmm. he was struggling to sort of hold position. And yeah. Ewan was frankly, Ewan was not competitive. Like he was well, getting into good position on a couple of them. And then he just was getting cooked by everybody. It switched after stage three, because on stage one, Ewan got a podium, if I recall correctly. On stage three, he sprinted to fifth, so in a relatively competitive position. And then on stage four, you've got the fact that Luke Blab crashes out with about 10 kilometers to go, like straight up crashes out of the race. His back looked awful. Like that man yeah, probably didn't terrible. sleep for like the last few days. But Blab was important in keeping the lead out of Jayco at the front of the yeah. peloton in stage one and three. And in stage four, they straight up couldn't get to the front. They tried twice and they got squeezed the entire way through. So Ewan was in like 35th, 50th positions or something going into the sprint, and then, then you can't compete. And at the front, you have Wellsford once again, but this time losing the wheel of Van Poppel. I reckon that he might have been able to follow it, but he probably didn't want to risk his life or stand to the understage after having already won two. But he yeah. still wins the stage, so it doesn't matter. Eh? Like, it's once again a strong performance, three, a, a hat trick, an unofficial hat trick, because Plap won a, no, because Del Toro won a stage in between. But, yeah, what's your what's your view going into the the last two stage then? Because Del Toro's still in lead. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought I thought Del Toro. It's not going to be a, for, a formality to drop him on Willanga, but Willanga is actually mm -hmm. like a seven to ten minutes effort. Actually, when you include the they they always do the the little run in before, which is like four percent. They still do that yeah. over four hundred watts. So it's actually like a, a ten or eight to ten minute effort. So. My question was, if no team makes it super hard, mm -hmm. I think Del Toro could just beat it because it levels out in the last two hundred. I don't want to. You wouldn't want to sprint against him. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's so so quick, and also he's got the last stage as well. So you're not going to knock him out of GC. But it was really 
on Jayco. They got Chris Harper. Uh, they got to make something happen. He's, I don't know how far behind on GC at that point. Over 10 seconds, I think, with Del Toro taking bonies. And mm -hmm. yeah, they had to make something happen. Tailwind, though, which was good. But they're missing Plap. So normally yeah. they'd use Plap, I think, to make the... They do two reps of Willunga. I think they would have used Plap to make the first rep nuclear pace. And they still did over Ooh. 400 watts, I think. But they would have used Plap to make the first rep nuclear. Or, I don't think so. You're, you're on things, I, th I think Harper I think that's for what first they would have done. Harper first rep and try oh, and okay, use switch. Luke Plap to attack on the second one. Because they use the strategy of Yates oh, still in GC. opening... Okay, yeah. yeah. They use the strategy of Yates opening the gap in front of him to let Harper go on the last Willunga Hill. And I reckon that was probably what they would have done with Plap. Because Plap's form on Fox Creek shouts at me that he yeah, was yeah, yeah. strong enough to compete for the victory in this race. With a tailwind on 7%, getting a gap would have been difficult to bring him back. Uh, and maybe there's dynamics in the group behind. I think Yates yeah, lost the race there. So yeah, they get on to Willunga, last rep. Harper's smashing it smash yeah. over 500 watts and the group is like in a line a lot of the gc contenders are not in the first five positions del toro is nowhere Hayes yeah. nowhere they're like p20 uh Narvaez is there but he's on the limit he's like on the limit there and it's early uh, i think yates lost the race there when he let harper's wheel go i think he didn't want to go too early but port always went really early I think the reality is he's not his two minutes and one minute is not as explosive as Narvaez, Williams, Del Toro, and yeah, he he let the wheel go. I think if he goes there, I'm I don't think Narvaez holds his wheel, and then Possibly. it's the question of who the guys who are way deeper, who's going to pull them back because no team really had a prime mountain domestique uh, there except in theory Bart Lemon for Milan Varda was actually that was his role. And Fisher Black and Del Toro won't work with each other, UAE style. <laughs> yeah, so I think that was his only option, maybe it's 2020 hindsight. Uh, but yeah, he, he lets Harper's wheel go. I think uh, the plus pulls for a bit, brings Narvaez yeah. close. Narvaez then has to close the last bit himself, or Harper stopped because then he wasn't fully gassed. Then there's kind of, uh, I'm not sure, Yates eventually does give it, give it a big nudge, but it was later in the climb, and... Yeah. Alaphilippe, Philippe looked pretty good. He was back for a bit. He looked, he looked pretty good. Mate, like well. on this climb, Alaphilippe was in the running to win this stage yeah, until yeah. he decided to <laughs> try and win the KOM at the top instead of the it finish line 200 meters further. <laughs> I imagine you're at max heart rate. You see the climb yeah. crests and there's a line on the ground <laughs> where the climb crests. It is like, I know the Strava KOM is great and all, but like, that is confusing. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to slate him for that. But yeah, he sprints basically full gas <laughs> 200, meter, 200 meters before the finish. <laughs> so, imagine, I, mean, I, I mean, they all do. And actually, yeah, well, oh, that would be good. But they all do a recon. They all recon yeah. with Langa like a million times. And they yeah. also, they literally do a rep before. They <laughs> do a rep of 20 minutes, uh, half an hour before. So uh, no excuse. that was classic, classic Alpha Leap stuff. And um, <laughs> anyway, man, we haven't mentioned yet the young Scott. He's just there. Oh, sorry. Bart Lemon had gone to the front to drive it behind Yates. And then he drops Varda. I'm like, well, <laughs> that hierarchy is the wrong way around. Um, 
And he basically then looks back and then starts writing for his own result. And uh, Oscar Only's in the wheels, in the wheels, in the wheels, following the advice, making all the right decisions, following Yates, uh, not getting closed off. Like Lemon cost himself three seconds because he let Yates close him off. And Only's just showing really good race IQ. Gets around before the left hander, bang, hits Stevie Williams and Narvaez with a big kick. Like you can see, is he put into a bigger gear and like gapped them. And those guys are, yeah. are, are fast. Those are their fast guys. And really, really impressive win from him. His first World Tour win. Probably DSM's best win mate, mate. in a while. You can't let this opportunity slide. His only World Tour win. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a good win. It was a good win. Um, and I was like, he then doesn't go into the leader's jersey, though. Stephen Williams, who finishes uh, second, he goes into the leader's jersey on countback, which is, I don't, basically it's the aggregate stage positions. Um, Correct. So number yeah. one, number one is the, the tiebreaker. If you're close on the same, if you're on the same time, zero seconds, the tiebreaker, the first one is the, milliseconds of an individual time trial number two is the sum of your stage positions like you say and number three then is the the current stage i think position okay beyond me <laughs> uh but that was a really nice performance from only they did the same time as richie port uh, give or take a second 634 635 on the climb proper but they had a big big tailwind so port doing it you know half the time solo not with the same monster tailwind uh, obviously going to be different different watts. I think highlights from the climb, or, or not highlights, actually, just nice things to note, I guess, was uh, Valentin Paripantra, uh in seventh was a decent result. I'd like to see the PP brothers kick on this year. I think they actually <laughs> are quite... They're, they're good, man. They're good. Del Toro, uh, eighth, yeah, just uh, gapped at the end uh, of that climb. Bart Lemon in fifth was a big, big surprise. Yeah. Uh, Vada wasn't good though. He was he won Guangxi, which is like a low, low intensity race with a sort of finish like this, a similar finish. He won that last year, and yeah. he wouldn't be expecting to finish in the twenty fourth. Other people who maybe expected to be better would be, uh, I don't know, Stora, uh, Ryan, UEC. I guess. Yeah, even Simon Yates, frankly. Um, so yeah, but it was, it was a nice climb with some different names in the top. But that put us into a very interesting GC position for the final stage. Mount Lofty, which was quite aggressive last year, won by Simon Yates, uh, who won the stage ahead of Jay Vine, who won GC. They finished 1-2. Yep. But Williams basically had to... Well, he had to not lose a single second to Only. This is a yep. But not just Only, because... He also was had Narvaez on five seconds yes. and Del Toro on five seconds. So if they just beat him, either of those two, they take a six-second delta and they win GC. If Philippe on 13 seconds or Simon Yates win the stage and take with three or four seconds on the road, which is not much, then they win GC. So it was all to play for on the final stage, which but... was like a, it's a lumpy circuit around Mount Lofty. I'm not sure we're watching at that point, but what did you think about Simon Yates' attack? 120 kilometers to go? I didn't watch that. What was that? <laughs> he just straight up, there was a, a breakaway formation phase. Relatively a rough one. Like, the entire week, all the breaks just flew out. But this one was like 20 kilometers of fighting. 
and one of them included Sam and Yates trying to attack away, which I found intriguing. Like, it's, it's enjoyable, but it also shows that they just have two little riders now to be able to pull off the hardness of a race that they want to pull off, because I think this Mount Lofty stage is one Mount Lofty less than last year. Okay. And yeah, it's only two or three reps. Uh, I don't yep. know why they were using half of that way in the break formation. I would have been trying to make Israel burn numbers uh, personally. But yeah, it was actually not that open a race, frankly. Like there was a, there was a breakaway with like uh, the first time we've seen Morgado at the front of a race, the UAE talent, yeah. which was interesting. Uh, also, Hill Helders on Quickstep was very, very strong. Uh, I was impressed by him also on this lumpy course. Uh, Ballastet sat on the back of the break right the whole time and then like was following like attacks at the end so that was a bit yep. strange um, took an intermediate sprint as well yeah I'm not but sure he uh, was a popular in that breakaway who wasn't in this break but I do want to shine a light on him and his team was Luke Burns from the Aussie uh, national team yeah so they, they really played it really well the entire week when it came to KOM points to the point that he was relatively secure after three stages because it was likely that GC riders would take uh, at least one rep of Mount Lofty, etc. So all that kept in mind. They played it really well. They tried to steal away points from other riders by having multiple riders fight for KOM points. It was really interesting and credits to that team. But anyway, we get to Mount Lofty and uh, to be honest, it, was a, it wasn't a crazy Mount Lofty. It was pretty straightforward, no. right? Yeah, basically, break gets caught, it kicks off, Del Toro, big attack, um, it, it comes back, Williams is there, Narvaez is there, Williams was kind of eating a lot of wind off the wheel initially, and then Pithy counterattacks because he's not a GC threat on like a rolling bit, GC guys look at him, uh, they're like, he's not a, he's FTJ, not a GC threat, eventually Del Toro goes again, and um, brings Pithy back, keeps the attack going. But then he's, he looks back and sees Narvaez and, and Williams, and I feel like Del Toro needed to back his sprint at a certain point. And, and mathematically, he can still win GC by winning the stage. He doesn't need a gap, right? If my math serves me correct. He just needs to win the stage, which is a big ask. And he basically looks to pull off 250 meters to go. It's a dipper at 200 meters to go and then dips up, kicks up again. And if he just pulled off into Williams' wheel, I think he has much, much bigger chance here. Uh, instead, Williams hits him right into the dipper, gets a big gap on William, uh, Narvaez and Del Toro up to speed. And he's also, I think, heavier than those guys. And then, yeah, it's, it's, Williams just unbelievable timing, played it completely cool. Yep. A uh, really, really savvy finish. Knew the finish perfectly, or played it perfectly, and uh, he's got a damn good sprint, especially at a high speed. High speed uh, compared to these guys too. We saw that in. Uh, we have seen this in previous races, but he wins the stage, wins GC at the Centos Tour down under, uh, and I think that's we tried to check. It appears to be Israel Premier Tech's first ever World Tour GC win. Yes. Uh, Del Toro and Narvaez finish on the same time. Lemon actually comes back, finishes fourth, and then. Pithy the surprise in fifth on three seconds. Alphalip led the led the uh, so the rest of the GC hopefuls and Williams wins GC nine seconds ahead of Narvaez, eleven seconds ahead of Del Toro and only missed that move and uh, moves to fourth on on twenty seconds. Good race, 
I was actually, I actually really enjoyed it. And like, Stephen Williams is the kind of a, I'd say Stephen Williams is an interesting character because I feel like he's the British Ben Hermans. Is that a weird thing to say? As in, he shows up inconsistently throughout the year. Yes, we saw him in a few breakaways last year in the Giro, but outside of that, he won Arctic Race in Norway last year. The year before that, 2022, he won a Tour de Swiss stage, which was a really competitive Tour de Swiss stage as well. And then now he wins the Santa Stood and Under, and I'm like, this Stephen Williams, when he's on, he can compete in a lot of races, but he's just not on very consistently throughout the year. So what is a Stephen Williams? Uh, good, but not the best five-minute climbing and mm -hmm. a really good flat sprint. So he basically needs that Tour de Swiss stage where it's that climb and then leveled off. And it's actually a very similar stage to Loft in that right at the end, it, it dips down a little bit. So, like, Arctic race again, um, like, Polonia. he was, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, some Polonia stage. Like, the stage three of Norway, uh, I think, was a similar, 2.1k is 10.5%, but the competition wasn't as good, so... I don't think he's going to come out and just sort of suddenly be top three in Liège. Yeah. Uh, but definitely, I think the Ben Herman's comparison is pretty good. Uh, maybe Williams, oh, I think Williams has a better sprint, but a big result for Israel with a stage win and the GC win, even yeah. though Strong, I think, got sick uh, yeah, and just missed out on stage two uh, where he won the kick behind Del Toro. So yeah, nice win for them. He was them. already sick when the race started, basically. Okay. okay. So... He was ill the first few days, so to be honest, being ill and being so close in GC, I wonder what would have happened if he wasn't ill. <laughs> but this is a uh, big points for Israel to kick off the season. It's, I mean, how many points? It's a lot of points. Five hundred points for GC. So <laughs> Steve Williams already on six hundred and forty points before the end of January. They will crazy. Take that. <laughs> they will take that. Uh, whereas that's MSR, no? Yeah. 600 is MSR's MSR? maybe Oh, maybe they boosted it to 1,000 to win a monument. Oh, might have. I don't know. Um, and yeah, Corbin probably took, took a few points as well. So they'll be happy with that, Israel. And yeah, I think Stephen Williams, if you keep sending him to the right races, yeah. he will, I think he'll win more this season. Not a hot take. It's just, I think, I think he'll win more. Uh, I think we've already discussed Wilson and Bora. Like, he, it was really good to lead out. I need to see it against... In UAE Tour, I still expect Correct. it to be good in UAE Tour, but that's just the next logical stepping stone to see the, this lead out. Um, but it looks good so far. And Jacob Alula, though, Benji, they sort of the opposite end for Israel with the points and with their home race. They had a bit of a shocker in the end um, yep. with Plap crashing and Ewan's performance in the eighth. So, um, Didn't work out. Yeah. And it's like, looking at the whole situation, I do think their race might have ended differently if Plap was able to ride the last weekend, he would have probably, probably competed for the GC, but it's also a risk you take when you use your potential GC rider, which Plap was certainly, looking at Fox Creek. If you use that rider to be your fourth-ish man in the lead-out to position your sprint train, he literally crashed doing that job, being at the front of the peloton with 10 kilometers to go, trying to position that lead-out, then you're taking a risk. That's why Roglic doesn't do that, or usually doesn't do that. That's why um, why Vingegaard doesn't do that for, for Olaf Koy, just thinking of names at the moment. Like, that's an important factor, and that's the risk you take when you, 
when you allow your GC co-leader to to make such work done. He's obviously quite versatile in that work, so he can do that. But it came at a cost this time, and it doesn't only cost him in the climbs, because as a GC rider, he would have probably competed. But also in the sprints, like I said, it takes away their their rider that can position their sprint train in the sprint stages. So I think it impacted them on on their entire race and not just the climbing. Yeah, and he had to relay with with Navais, I think. Yeah. I think I you have know. to relay to establish the gap and then you can finesse him in the last two Ks and say, oh, I have you in behind and Yates behind. And then try and counterattack him there. But I think you have to establish that gap. If you're right, if he is a GC leader, then I don't see why. And if you're like, oh well, I'm worried Navais about Navais. Him, though. Even if you sit in his wheel. But I agree that if you're good enough, okay, so if you, you look so you, lap, lose six you shouldn't seconds. be scared. You yeah, shouldn't so you be scared from Nervais for Wollonga Hill. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, okay, take it back in Wollonga. Um, and if, you, if you're that worried about Nervais, then you're not going to win. So, Because probably if you're not dropping Nervais by six seconds, someone else could drop you. Well, then, then you can have Yates attack Nervais and everyone looks at Nervais in the Oka jersey to chase on Wollonga. So it just changes the race and uh, I think he should have relayed there. But uh, yeah. They, they've been going well, Jayco, in Valencia the last two evenings, or my yeah. evenings. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Uh, surprising performances from the men's race, Del Toro being this good, uh, especially in terms of like explosivity in in basically sprint stages, I didn't see coming because, I, frankly, if he could do this last year in U23s, he would have been literally just riding away on any hill and winning by like two minutes um, in like any race, So, uh, which he didn't do last year. So... Yeah, that was really, really surprising to me because uh, I thought he was a pure climber. <laughs> um, uh, so that, yeah, like really, really uh, good sprint. So I, I'd like to see him in the classics. He, just on that, he, he was the youngest winner, I think, of Lavenir and, uh, since Otterbrooks, which was the year before. So that's, <laughs> he's a very young, <laughs> he's a very young winner. Of Man, good he was the youngest winner in the last three yeah, years. In the, in the last, no, in the last 12 months. He was, he he's was the, the youngest winner, winner of Lavinia in the, yeah, the, in the only last 12 winner. months. Well, there you go. Race of the future, baby. Yeah, yeah. The stats are real. The stats are real. This man's <laughs> dropping facts. But it's true. And it's like, I think um, I first heard of Isaac Del Toro in the CBU tour from um, Oyan, who works with Tour de Titema. What's his, what's his, what's his uh, tagline? Le, in... Le Pedal Douce, LPD. Yes. Um, he is the one that spoke to me about him the first time, but people apparently were talking about him for a while because Jose Bain had like a tweet up a year and a half ago, two years ago about him being at AR Monix in a cyclocross race. And I'm like, 
Oh, I only heard of this guy halfway through 2023 and I felt like I was early. <laughs> well, yeah, because his results weren't good before. Uh, which but, there's like, they're, they're like in 2022, they weren't good. Uh, all that good. And then in 23, yeah, he sort of first like started being good in the Italian national uh, races and then 10th in Jasinski and then, yeah, Sibiu good on Barrielac or like, okay, and then Valadost the third and then clean Lavenir. So like big improvement last year. And, and he was in a San Marinese. So basically, if people don't know, the Mexican Federation is banned by the IOC. Yeah. Can't remember why. Local check Probably doping related. Could be corruption. Um, <laughs> yeah, Probably bad, both. So they, they're just no saying nefar something nefarious. Um, yes. And so basically that, that's really difficult for, uh, for Mexican riders, evidently. Yep. There's also not a great pathway. So uh, four Mexican riders set up a team based in San Marino, AR Monex. They race out of there, but it's mainly Mexican riders. And... Uh, yeah, he's got his own coach, uh, Cruz, I think, and yeah, it's a big like that's that's difficult, a much more difficult pathway than and someone who's getting full support, like maybe the northern, the Western Europeans, the northern Europeans. And then I feel like the other new organizers are making it even harder for riders the from TTC. those countries to actually go through because they put in a damn team time trial when you know it's a national team based race. So yeah. it, I'm not attacking Mexican riders here, but there are, there's more of a pool of talent being scouted in for the national team of uh, France, Ita Italy, whatever, at the moment, than there's for oh, Mexico. Equipment. So uh, equipment as well, just everything combined gives them such a, a disadvantage in that race that the fact that Del Toro still won that race after losing loads of time on that team time trial. Yeah. The way he won that race was absolutely crazy. Like they, he had a stage where he had a, a full comeback story. And then Cordela Los, also a pretty big victory. But like, yeah. this man's the real thing. And also this week, like, his sprint is on point. Yeah, that's what was... He's got a pony sprint. But, that, that, but that's what surprised, like, in... Yeah, uh, I mean, on stage four, the, he, he sort of won the, he won the kick behind, but I was uphill. Yeah, I just didn't, didn't see the sprint last year, but... Um, uh, yeah, with the TTT line, I'm pretty sure the Scandinavians, they turn 14, they get like a gift voucher, the local wind tunnel, and like I said, you know, like, um, <laughs> it's not fair having a TTT into a Lavenir. Uh, but Correct. he, oh, I was going to say, oh, yeah, but all on that scouting point, like, no one beats Matchin. You're not going to yep. beat Matchin for a Hispanophone. Like, he probably... We've been talking to Del Toro two and a half years ago, three years ago, or he's talking every, especially Hispanophones. So like him going to UAE, not surprising. Hey, Monix was on Colnago's, like you see the writing on the wall. Uh, but he, yeah, just watch out for him this year. This probably won't be the last we see of him yeah. uh, this year, I would say. But Already impressing. What's his, what's his pathway? As in, he's a young rider, obviously. He's like now breaking through even more than he already was because like, we know who won Lavenir, but mainstream cycling fans don't necessarily uh, don't necessarily watch Lavenir or follow Lavenir. And Santos Fernandez is still maybe a bit more to the forefront than than Avenir, But I also would think that it's still a bit 
yeah, not everyone watches Standard Standard or watches races outside of the Tour de France. So what's going to be his path for his upcoming participations in Tour of Oman, which actually I'm quite looking forward to. But outside of that, I, you said it, the dude can compete for LBL. I wonder what he would do in Italian classics at the end of the year as well. I think he's going to be pretty unstoppable in like Trey Valley Varasini type races. Yeah. In that U uh, UA team's already stacked. So I think basically you just pull Ulysses out and put him in. <laughs> um, is what they're going to do. And that's going to be pretty effective next to Sivakov and yeah. Ishii, let alone Pugaccio. And Adam Yates. Our Italian Classics team is ridiculous. And uh, yeah, Morgado, I don't really know what type of ride he is yet. Uh, I think he's sort of an all-round one-day rider, uh, but whether he can ride the Classics, I don't know. Bart Lemon was a big surprise. He was a captain in the, yeah. in the Dutch Air Force, joined, went to sort of pro cycling late. Uh, fourth in Grand Camino TT behind Vingegaard last year on the now uh, defunct Human Powered Health men's team. And he, very, very good data uh, as Tess Wells. So um, is I wasn't Bart actually Lemon, too surprised to see him there. Is Bart Lemon Dutch Roglic? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just looking at the situation that they both kind of broke through on Slovenia. Through oh, Slovenia. See. Okay, I see what you mean. <laughs> no, he's much. I think he's much taller. Yeah. Um, Dutch people don't come under 180 centimeters, except Milan Vardy. <laughs> well, he's exactly 180, so official, uh, unofficially. Yeah, maybe. According just to Luke's the internet, just, Luke's just correcting on the, the Mexican Federation. I feel like it might be UCI and Mexican. It might be at the UCI level. Um, but yeah, yeah. So it's not the IOC. I'll just correct that. It was uh, the UCI suspended the Mexican Federation for governance issues, uh, which was confirmed in the 2022 UCI Congress. So, um, but still functionally the same, uh, the federation, which makes it much more difficult for young riders from Mexico. Uh, but yeah, Lemon, Lemon, good performance. Uh, perhaps cost himself riding on the front for Varda, chasing after Yates on Willunga. Don't know what to see from him next. I d he'll be in the Ardennes, I think. So we'll see what he can do there. Uh, Lawrence Pithy, very, very good in this race as well for FDJ. The climb much better than I expected. And Lars Bova was also climbing better than I expected and sprinting better than I thought uh, at Alberson, who didn't send Groves to this race, uh, probably wisely in the end, because I don't see him beating Wellsford in these super easy stages. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, what Alberson chose to do, keeping Groves in Europe, probably the right uh, thing to do. But that was the, the men's TDU. Pretty interesting race uh, overall. There's, I would like to see a Rampas finish one year. Yeah. Uh, so, that, which does exist. Really? There's, yeah, Montague Road, I think, next to Norton Summit. So, there's, there's like a million different roads up to Lofty. There's Montague, Norton Summit, Freeway, uh, Green Hill, and there's uh, then, I think, Montague. Oh, there's no one just but next also... to Norton Summit. There's Old Norton Summit. There's so many roads up there. How many streets or places in in Australia are called Mount Pleasant. There's another Mount Pleasant next to Mount Lofty. <laughs> really? It's not the same as in Wollongong, right? Because Wollongong's on the other side, right? Wollongong, that's like Russia to Belgium. It's a long <laughs> way away. 
it's Woodlands Way I'm thinking of. Woodlands Way. I think they might have done it before. There's some steep okay. climbs up there, so I would like to see a ramp pass, really steep finish. Maybe that wouldn't be... I mean, it'd probably be good for Simon Yates, actually. <laughs> yeah. It was a much steeper climb uh, as well. Uh, Narvaez, look out for Narvaez in the classics would be my tip. He looks like he is cooking, uh, so I can't wait to see him there. But, yep, any last thoughts on that before we do the women's race, Benji? I want to talk about Lauren Spiffy for a second. The guy was really okay. good. Three top fives and stages. Was also on Mount Lofty, relatively close. Did a bit of a tactical thing there where he, where he uh, decided to attack instead of staying in their wheel in the last kilometer, which sprinting against them would have probably been better, but he might not have been able to follow Stephen Williams' attack in the first place. But that being said, Piffy, good race. Lars Boven, a good race. The way he climbed plus the way he sprinted, really, really good. He was also in that, what was that Chad GPT race? Super 8 Classic last year, where Van der Poel went off with a group, and I think Bolvin was in oh, that yeah. group. Um, but anyway, those are my uh, other surprising performances, I reckon, but I think we solidly wrapped up the men's Santa student under now. So uh, let's talk about the women's one as well for a bit. We've got three stages in the women's Santa student under. First of all, we have a, a sprint stage. Secondly, a puncher stage. And thirdly, Wollonga Hill. So it's kind of like gradually growing to the end of the race. <laughs> yeah. If there were four stages, they would have invented an Alpe d'Huez there. They, well, I mean, if they couldn't, if they made it too much, too hard early, then I think Gigante would have ended the race. So it's kind of probably a good <laughs> thing the way they planned yeah. it. But yeah, three stages and yeah, something different for everybody. The first stage of the sprint was won by Ali Wollaston. Now, on AG Insurance Sudal team, so they started their race uh, pretty well. She was already yeah. good last year. Like, if you look into her results, as someone who's young, probably doesn't have the best lead out, she won Sarah Tizit GC, winning the last stage, and uh, won the Schwalbe Classic. So she's got a good sprint. Uh, well, like... <laughs> she won the Schwalbe Classic. I agree with the other one, but... You really got that Australian crew in there just because you can? <laughs> yeah, but it's all the riders that are about to do the TDU and it's a sprint. Yeah, so it's like, it is relevant. Narvaez um, <laughs> and Del Toro were good in the Schwalbe Classic this year Back. and it was relevant. Um, and, and also good in, in uh, Girodonna, third and fifth in the last two stages. So she's kicked on, obviously had a good off-season, came here in good shape. Out of Georgie Baker for Liv Alula. I was, I must admit, a little bit surprised, I guess. Can Roseman, who finished, yeah, Roseman Gunner probably just never winning on, like staying close enough on Wollonga anyway, so maybe it doesn't matter who, that they had to go for Baker. Um, but yeah, Berthoud Solo third. Uh, stage two. This was a stage where a lot of different riders could win, finishing in Sterling. Yep. These are really grippy, these are horrible roads, like a lot of these roads around here, where like they look like four or five percent, or they say that, but they're so slow. Some of these roads and the sort of laps around Sterling, in particular, I've done that laps around there. It's uh, maybe because I was riding it, it was yeah, particularly slow, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Utra Ludwig wins that stage, and this is the perfect sort of finish for her. She has a really, really good uh, uphill kick. And which yeah. we saw when she won the Tour de France Femme stage two years ago. And she was like, no one really, people were in the picture, but they were five bike lengths behind her. Where are the days where we, we were saying that the Ludwig didn't have the punch back in the day? 
Like that switched across a span of two and a half years where she now is one of those riders that is the go-to for stages like this. So really good progress on that end. And it's also this two stage we mentioned so far, we're won relatively dominantly. Like other riders didn't exactly get close to winning. It was Utrecht clearly winning, Wollaston clearly winning. And would that be the same for stage three, which is, well, the obvious, Willunga Hill. One difference is that it's only one, uh, one rep of Willunga Hill in the women's race. It's about a, a 94 kilometer stage from my memory serves me right, yes. And there were some echelons or something before we started and Gigante was in trouble at a certain point. I think with 30k to go, there was an echelon where she was somewhat caught out and she was able to save herself last minute from that problem. But anyway, that, that's an important factor, otherwise she might have actually fucked it for herself. And that's important for the future to realize, like, she, she's a pure climber. Uh, yep. Although she does have a good TT, but maybe like crosswinds is or sort of messy race situations is where you could put her under pressure, I dare say. Um, probably doesn't have the volume of racing in Europe compared to some of the more experienced pros. Uh, she certainly has the wasps, though. But I think I want to point out one from, I just saw one rider from race, from stage two. Okay. It just popped up randomly. It's not the biggest thing, but she finished in the top 20 and it was an uphill finish. It's Janina Kuskova, uh, an Uzbek rider who's 22, who was riding for the Tashkent City team in this race. And she finished top 20. Uh, so, like, I didn't, first of all, I didn't know uh, that team was here, but that was actually a really, really good result for. Mate, gotta be at the Tour de France. Really? They, th that was the Uzbek team that first of all had the, the kind of Uzbek championships that was a bit questioned right, and right. then they won all those other races that gave them a lot of UCI points that were kind of like Uzbek centered or Asian games I don't remember it was, there was something like that they won so many points in like the Astana kind of races yeah. that they now have enough to go to the Tour de France Femme I'm pretty sure <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, well, maybe we'll see her win on Tourmalet or whatever there. Hey, um, your favorite rider, Zablin Skaz, there. Is she? She's <laughs> still going. She's still, still top 10 world TT worlds. Book it now. Uh, but yeah, that came, <laughs> Willunga Hill, uh, there was the big favorite. The QOM holder, who Sarah Gigante, who nuked this climb back in the Festival of Cycling in, or no, in 2019, I think she nuked it, right? No, 2021 was Festival of Cycling. I swear she did a quick time in 2019 as well. Uh, but yeah, know. 2021, she, she destroyed everybody. But that was like during COVID. Uh, and yeah, she was the big favorite. And the question was when she was going to go. And it was pretty much at the base, even into a headwind. She went with Ludwig in the wheel. Ludwig was there for 500 meters. And basically the gap just started to slowly, slowly open. And Gigante... Uh, yeah, destroyed everybody into a headwind. Yep. She was just too good. Just moved to AG Insurance Sudal team. Brom Movistar, I think they, uh, with mutual agreement, broke the contract. She had, I think, another year this year on her contract with Movistar, but it clearly wasn't working there or for whatever reason they wanted to move. And uh, it appears to have been a good choice because she wins on Willunga by 16 seconds ahead of uh, Nienka Vinka, which, and takes out GC <laughs> by 20 seconds. So, first of all, Ninka Vinka, 19 years old, second at Willunga Hill, second in GC. That's yeah. 
insane. Like the whole top three as well. Neve Bradbury also still young. And I'm pretty sure there was a oh, what's her name? Um, fourth in the stage, no, fifth in the stage. Dominika Vladarchik, Vladarchik, yeah, something like that. She's also really young as well. Amanda Spratt is the the not twenty year olds of the of the top five, but so many youngsters in the top five of this Wollonga Hill performance, which also shows that we've got some interesting years to come. But about sort of Gigante, is it Gigante or Gigante? I've said I've been saying Gigante for years. I don't actually know. You're Australian. You should know. Is it kangaroo or kangaroo? Kangaroo. Okay. <laughs> no should, sir. Look. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, onto a, a different topic. Gigante. Yeah, that's an, abor gigan <laughs> that's an <laughs> Aboriginal <laughs> word. Kangaroo. Uh, I'll, call, I'll call her Sarah for the sake of this argument. Sarah, she's had loads of trouble in the last few years. As in... Numerous issues along the likes of myopericarditis, which pericarditis is the thing that the cleric had, which was the inflammation of one part of the heart. But she yeah. had inflammation on two parts of the heart. Where, like, she, she came back from that now, and I think she's had some other injuries or struggles throughout the last years as well, last two years. And to see her coming back from that with this performance, yes, it's a 9.02 time, which is 50 seconds slower than the 2021 time. That's due to heavy headwind. But then she shows up after the, the women's tour that under on that it was it was pretty hyped up as in this event after the women's center stood under a, a time trial up up Wollonga hill like yeah. a bit of a hill climb competition like they have in the uk 753 she did on that one so she she's a new qom again <laughs> breaking your old time so obviously it's a tt so it's a different environment less kilojoules in beforehand perfect preparation probably in advance of that climb but man it's like i'm happy she's back yeah it's good to see one of the big talents from uh yeah like when she she broke onto the scene and we we're like this is like the new climbing talent and then she went to Movistar. i thought she's going to be the replacement they probably thought she's going to be the replacement for annemiek van vleuten is going to be their tour de france leader but uh certainly they, they brought a good team to this race ag insurance sudal team like uh van der velder giganti uh, Wollaston, Anjolo, they were really, really good. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to see her in Europe uh, fighting for GC in the, in the big stage races. I think, uh, it certainly makes it much more interesting if we have Riolini, Giganti, others trying to actually fight Vollering because yeah, Vollering is pretty good. Uh, yeah. That's the conclusion of today. <laughs> Yep. Volring's pretty good. <laughs> um, anything else from this this women's race, uh, Benji? I guess L Ludwig. That's kind of just doing what she's been doing really, really well for a for a while. But I guess is I want to see these riders at UAE tour. Like I want to see Ninka Vinka now yep. on uh, on her feet in uh, just under a month. Yeah, but I also want to mention. I also felt like Triple Ludwig was doing their her usual. Sicily things on Wollonga Hill as well, where she tried to follow Gigante's attack to the point that she blew up and didn't finish second. Like the same thing we've mentioned a few times when it comes to her. She has adapted a better strategy a few times now since we mentioned it last time in the Tour of Scandinavia, I think, a few years ago. But it's something she did again on Wollonga Hill, so I was like, oh, maybe that's something that she needs to once again 
Oh wow, she Focus finished on. 14th on that stage. She lost 102, so she must have lost. She must have completely blown up because she would have yep. been the other riders that finished say on 47 seconds. Like she was way ahead of them in the first half of that climb. So yeah, she went. But I guess you gotta. She was thinking about winning GC, and, and if you don't, <laughs> if you don't hold yeah. Giganti's will, you lose GC. Um, other pure climbers to note uh, is Marion Brunel. She, uh, she didn't finish. She only finished twelfth on Willunga during the main mm -hmm. race, but yeah, during that TT, I think she came second closer to Giganti. Oh. So maybe struggles in the bunch a little bit. Obviously, like a pure climber, she's nineteen on Saint Michel Marie Gobert. Uh, is that right? Is that really how they have to say it? Not only is it such a long name, but then the French for 93 is, is 42013. Wait. That so is they say Saint-Michel Saint Mavic Aubert 42013. You prefer the Wallonian version, which is non antois What's that? Not like 93. 93 in Wallonian? So wait, hold on, hold on. Breaking news. <laughs> Wallonian French has the real a real word for from the numbers from eighty to hundred. You guys decided, nah, this is stupid. Well, not you guys, you'll see enemies, but really, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, they do. And I was not oh, allowed to say it that way. I was no, that's the thing. I was I had eight years of French or something in school, and they taught me that I needed to do the correct French way and not the Wallonian one. So. Is that anti-Wallonian behavior in, French, in Flemish schools? I don't know about that. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's really interesting. <laughs> so if you, if you say that, this, that's really, I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a mouthful, that, that team name, when you factor in uh, the extra words for 93. Uh, but yeah, just, just watch out for her if she gets into a, if there's like a Uni Puerto stage somewhere in the year uh, without the big guns, she could go pretty Pretty well. Uh, other news, or any other news around cycling, Benji? I guess one thing I had was what is going on with there's some pretty bad lids going around, going around some bad haircuts. Oh, People obviously yeah, bored yeah. in the off-season. Remco unveiled <laughs> one where uh, he basically looked like he said to the barber fam, just cut in, cut in two inches into my, into my part. Um, so there was that one. And then Pogacis unveiled, I don't know who told him to do that. I mean, Wait, someone say like, these guys have all the money in the world, and they can't get a good haircut. What happened to Bogacar? I think he dyed his hair blonde, no? Like blonde. Oh my god, like he big... did. It looks like Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a comparison! <laughs> so, so guys, guys need racing back. Is what I'm learning. Is guys they've been training <laughs> yes. too much. They've just been doing back-to-back -back 30 hours a week in Spain. They get these guys back racing because they they got the wrong barbers and they're just <laughs> they're getting bored. Uh, so yeah, local flash those Vanderpool out. mullet. That's okay, right? Vanderpool's mullet. Yeah, that one to me. That's not. That's like that's play on. That's like a business mullet. You could go to work in Australia with that in a corporate what, job. What? No problem. That brings me to my story time. I was in Denia a week ago for a week. I stayed at a, a hotel there and. I thought, okay, I'm just going to go here, going to make a bit of content on the bike, enjoyable. Turns out I was in the hotel with Canyon Shram, the entire team, with Mathieu van der Poel at breakfast and in the elevators, with, with Jasper Philipsen at breakfast, with Javier Romo, Quinton Hermans, 
I was like, I felt like such an imposter. Like, I w I'm the guy doing two watts per kilo up a climb and dying, and these guys are doing 17 watts per kilo and, and celebrating. <laughs> I felt so out of place, man. I felt so out of place. Well, at least you're training and, and having fun. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, I did, I've been going pretty well. I mean, we're, we're trying to organize, we're going to, we're going to Flanders to film some content in, uh, in March. I hate, I hate the way I said it, go, go to film some content. We're going to try and make a couple of videos, uh, together in Flanders in, in, uh, middle of March. And so well, what climbs should we race up? We should let the, let listeners, what climbs in Flanders should we race up? Or do you want to see our, our best efforts on? Is it the Quarmont? Should we try to see how far away from Poggy on the Quarmont are we? Or should it be the Paterberg? Which one the thing should is, we do? I'm down to race out of Quarmont. I'll try to survive the Paterberg. That's a difference between those two. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah the I can try to race so out of Quarmont, but... And also out of Quarmont, it's interesting because on the steeper early part, you'll get an advantage, but on the flat cobble part, second part, I might be able to grind some, grind some wads, but you might have had a, well, who knows how close it is. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're going we're gonna to do and we're training for. So maybe we're going to have Luke's time as well. Um, yeah. yeah, that's all. That's all from us. Uh, otherwise, there's, uh, there's the sort of Valencia points farming races at the moment. There's like a one day yeah. race every day in the same region. Uh, the first sort of, proper stage race coming after the CDU is the Valenciana.pro. That's on the 31st of January uh, that that starts, but otherwise there's just like all these MISC, uh, Mallorca or Valencia races uh, in the next week. There's also in a week starting, sorry, not in a week starting. Oh yeah, there's GP Marseilles, which is the first French 1-1, uh, which is a couple of days before Etoile de Bessege. Uh, which is usually a decent race too, has crosswinds, non-top finish, TT uh, on the 31st as well. So season in Europe is already here. Don't know where the off-season went. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening as always. And I think our next pod will be uh, the preview yeah, of Movistar, Canyon and Trek. Uh, so thanks for listening as always. We'll see you probably midweek. Till then, ciao. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.